Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Good morning. Found out right before we processed out that Deacon Rich was the huge winner last night at Iron Chef. I'm sitting with Mr. Iron Chef himself. This is pretty great. All right, so eight. All right, all right. He will be making all my meals from now on. So, so uh, here we are, eighth Sunday ordinary time. We're about to click into uh, Lent, which is pretty nuts. And this uh, this gospel we have today is the conclusion of. Uh, what scholars call Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. So the last few weeks we've been hearing Jesus' this great long homily. The last few weeks we've been hearing it chunk by chunk, the Sermon on the Plain. But you know that because you've been reading from the Gospel of Luke from your Bible, right? Right? Okay, I know you know that. All right. So in this Gospel today, he gives us uh, four like very punchy, pithy parables. He says, he talks about the lunacy of the blind leading the blind. He talks about how every student will be like his teacher. He calls out the hypocrisy of noticing others' faults and sins while failing to notice them in yourself. Uh, And he finally rounds it out by talking about how trees are known by their fruits. Every tree is known by its fruit. So these four images, these four parables, these four analogies, they're, they're so... Apropos for us as we're about to head into to Lent, right? This Wednesday, this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. We're actually putting, on your, putting ashes on your foreheads this year. Unlike last year, we're not going to talk about that. But they're going on your forehead this year, right? So we got Ash Wednesday this Wednesday. So this gospel, it serves as a really good, I think, sort of uh, examination of conscience for us, uh, evaluating kind of where we're at before we head into the great season of Lent, which is, in many ways, it's the church's annual retreat. That's what Lent's kind of meant to be. It's meant to be an annual recharge, an annual retreat. And, and before you go on any retreat, it's always good to take stock of where you're at, what you're dealing with, what kind of habits have creeped in, and just to, to evaluate where you are and where you think the Lord might be moving. So with this homily today, with Ash Wednesday looming large right here, uh, just a few days away, I want to quickly walk us through these four images as, a, as an examination sort of, of conscience to see how the Lord might be lovingly inviting you into Lent this year. Um, I know we all like march into Lent with our like, I'm giving up chocolate again, right? Like we all got our idea. Um, But Lent's so much more fruitful if you let the Lord lead, if I can just put it that way, right? It's Jesus going out to the desert. We follow him. Where is the Lord particularly leading you? So as you're listening to me preach this and kind of unpack these, I just really want you to be paying attention to like the level of your heart. Listen to like what's moving, what might be stirring, what might the Lord be bringing up because like that's what you want to pay attention to, right? He's got the words of everlasting life, not me. So, all right, first image, this whole, the lunacy of the blind leading the blind. Here's the question. Are you being led by someone who can see? Are you being led by someone who can see? It's hard to notice, it's hard to not notice in the Gospels, Jesus seems to have a preoccupation for blind people. He seems to have a certain penchant for, like, reaching out and curing blindness. Um, one of the very first things he says to the disciples of John the Baptist in John's gospel when they follow him, he invites them and says, come and become one who sees. Right? The Lord Jesus in the gospels, it's very clear he has an issue with the way we see, not just simply physical blindness, but there's a condition that we don't see the world rightly. He's come to change our vision. He's come to change the way we perceive reality, right? 
We look, he says, we look, but we do not see. So a few years ago, uh, after, uh, after, right, right after I was ordained, uh, my buddy, Father Ryan Mann, who, uh, who's coming to do our parish mission, he and I went to New York City for, um, like, you know, married couples, you go on your honeymoons. We were like, we're going on a priest to moon. I don't know what we were going to call it, but that's what we did. So we went to New York City, and uh, we said uh, we got it arranged so we could say Mass at, at St. Patrick's Cathedral with Cardinal Dolan and uh, got to spend some time in the crypt of uh, St. Pat's, which is where Fulton Sheen at the time, Bishop Fulton Sheen was buried, who is a huge hero of mine. And all I wanted to do was kneel in front of his tomb and um, kind of ask his particular intercession on my priesthood. And they actually had Fulton Sheen's kneeler. His, you know, if you know Fulton Sheen, he prayed a holy hour every day. He had his kneeler right there in front of his tomb. And, uh, you know, Father Ryan gets on the kneeler, he's praying. And Fulton Sheen was like, he looked big on TV, but he was about like, he was very short. He was like, in, like you know, five foot five. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't built like me. Let's just put it that way, all right? So I get on the kneeler, and the thing, like, lurches hard to the right. And I, like, like freak out. I slam down. I almost break Fulton Sheen's kneeler. All right. Anyway, that's another homily for another day. The point of me telling you this story is when we were walking around St. Patrick's Cathedral, we, we saw this, this couple. I'll never forget the image. She was blind, and she was holding on to the arm of her boyfriend. They were walking, I'm assuming it was her boyfriend, but they were walking around the cathedral, and he was describing everything for her. He was describing what he was seeing. He was describing the stained glass, the floor, the marble. Um, he would get down, and he would like, there was little patterns on the floor, and he would touch the pattern, get her hand to touch the stuff on the floor. It was so powerful. It was so beautiful. It was such an amazing image. And like, the thought that came up this weekend as I was praying with this is, are you holding on to the arm of someone who's holding on to Jesus? Like, are you holding on to the arm of someone who's holding on to Jesus? In other words, I want to spend time with you. want to spend time with people who know the Lord. Whether it's saints, whether it's good books, whether it's holy friends, like you want to spend time with people who know the Lord. Why? Because only Jesus, only Jesus allows me to see the world rightly. Like to see things in their proper scale, in their proper perspective, to see and discern between the, like what's true and what's false. Like only the, like the Jesus lens allows me to actually see what I need to hold on to as essential and what I really can let go of as totally inessential. Because honestly, our world gets all those things usually backwards. Things that we think are, like our culture says is a huge deal, like that it magnifies. When you put the Jesus lens on, it's like, that's nothing. That's nothing. The biggest one is death. Let's just name it, right? Culture says death is the worst thing, the scariest thing, the awfulest thing. Jesus says it's birth into eternity. Without the lens of Jesus, you're not going to see death right. You're not going to see life right. All right. Next, every student will be like his or her teacher. Here's the question. Who is discipling you? Maybe a better way to put the question is who are you letting, who are you allowing to disciple you? The word disciple comes from the word in Greek that means, it basically means student. It means, like the literal translation is one who sits at the feet of. Right? You sit at the feet of the master. Ancient world, teachers, when they were teaching, they didn't stand to teach, they would sit to teach. That's where Jesus talks about, like, those who sit on the seat of Moses, the chair of Moses. That's why as Catholics we talk about the chair of Peter, right? It's this symbol of like authority, teaching from the seat. So students would sit at the feet. So whose voices have you chosen to expose yourself to, to surround yourself with? Like, are there podcasts, you know, all these different voices, all these different voices, and political commentators and pundits, all these people talking, 
All of those voices, it matters. Who have you chosen to disciple you? Because you're going to become like them. Like their way of thinking, their way of viewing reality is going to become your way of thinking, your way of viewing reality, your way of being, right? This, this was brought home to me a few weeks ago. You know, Father Damien Ferentz, who has helped out here over the years, he was here a few weeks ago helping out with Mass. One of the kids in the school said to me, he goes, you, you know, you and Father Damien do something, uh, you do the same thing when you preach? I was like, what? Really? All right. He goes, yeah, you both do this thing. Are you like, like pushing up your sleeves? I was like, yeah, we do do that. That's right. That's totally right. And I didn't even think about it. But I, I have all these memories being in high school, him in my home parish, preaching life scene masses. He'd get up there, be pushing up his sleeves, right? His arms apparently very hot. And uh, I'm like, I, yeah, I've, I've, I, I do that. Like, you become like the ones you expose yourself to. The, you, you begin to emulate your teachers. And that makes, that's an important thing to recognize. Moreover, and this is huge, a, a good student is never stagnant. A good student is never stagnant. You're always seeking to grow, right? So here's the question. When was the last time you really sunk your teeth into like a good spirituality theology book, philosophy book? When have you really sunk your teeth recently into the good tradition, the church fathers of our faith? Have you tried to chew on and wrestle with the great minds of our tradition? I'm going to recommend three books. You don't have to write them down. You can, they'll be on the website, on our, on our uh, parish website and on the podcast in the show notes if you want to listen to these. Here's the three books I'm going to recommend for Lent. You don't have to read all three of them. You can pick one or two. The first is Thirsting for Prayer by a priest named Father Jacques Philippe. If you've been looking for, like, is there, like, an, like one really awesome book on prayer? That's the one. Thirsting for Prayer by Jacques Philippe. The second one is called At the Heart of the Gospel by Christopher West. Again, if you've been asking the question like, all right, what's a lens to understand the entire story? What's a distillation of the entire message? That book, At the Heart of the Gospel, Christopher West. And finally, the third book is called Rescued, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel by Father John Ricardo. It's, a, it's another way of telling that whole grand story. So, again, you've been hearing me talk about we need to be familiar with the story. I think those two books in particular are really helpful. So, Sink your teeth into something solid for Lent. Continue to read. I've been challenging you to continue to read the Gospel of Luke because we're in year C. Because the most important feat that we can sit at, the most important feat we have to sit at as disciples, as Christians, as Catholics, is Jesus' feet. It's Jesus' feet. Like, there was a, that was a huge problem for my own spirituality when I was in the seminary. I, I, I wanted to talk to everybody else who seemed to know Jesus, but I didn't want to talk to Jesus. Eventually, you have to talk to Jesus. You have to sit at Jesus' feet. You have to sit in the silence. You have to sit in the scriptures. You have to sit in adoration. You have to be with him. You have to listen to him. Reading the Gospels is so essential because you actually encounter the real Jesus. Because in your mind, you have all these images of Jesus, right? Like, how does he actually respond to people? How does he actually, like, what are his actual emotions? What does he actually say? What does he actually do? You need to be exposed to the real Jesus, and he's only accessible right there in Scripture and adoration. All right. Thirdly, you still with me? Yeah? All right. Third thing is the faults and failures. Like, what faults and sins and weaknesses do you carry within you that you ignore, but you notice in everyone else around you? We are so good at this. We are like Olympians at this. We notice everyone else's faults and failures, especially your spouse's. Right? How many people have come into confession and say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Here's my spouse's sins. <laughs> Let me explain to you how awful they are. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, they're probably the next one coming in. That's great. It's, it gives me a forewarning. <laughs> yeah, we're so good at this. We're so adept at pointing out other people's faults and downplaying our own. But here's the thing. When you stand before Jesus at the end of your life, when you stand before him, he ain't going to be asking you about your spouse's sins. He's not going to be asking you, like, tell me again about your mother-in-law. That sounded really hard, right? Like, he's not going to be doing that. He's going to be talking about you. He's going to be talking about you. So we have so many opportunities this Lent for healing. We have lots of confessions available, not only at our parish, all sorts of parishes. That The 16th of this month is the diocesan-wide night of confession. Every parish in that diocese, every priest will be sitting in the box for, I think, three hours or so, I mean, or more, um, hopefully more. But, uh, you know, if you've been away, I, this parish doesn't seem to be a parish that gets away from confession. I'm usually in there for like two, three hours on a Saturday, which is good. But if you've been away from the sacrament for a long time, the 16th this, of, this, of March is a great opportunity to get to that, to make a good, you know, Father, it's been uh, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You know what priests do when we hear those like huge numbers? It's been 30 years since my last confession. We like have an internal party inside. We do. It's like, we, I think we all have this, this sort of like mental scorecard of uh, like the biggest fish we've caught, right? Like, oh, I caught a 50-year the other day. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. This person had been a confession since before Vatican II, man. Right? Like, it was, it, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. The other one that we have at our parish that I'm so excited about is our Lenten mission, right? You've been hearing it in the announcements, March uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th. My buddy, Father Ryan Mann, my best friend in the world, he's, uh, he's the administrator, soon to be the pastor, I'm sure, at St. Basil the Great, and uh, he's the other guy who posts homilies on Slaking Thurston. He is, he's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. He's my favorite priest to, to listen to. Um, yeah, I love his homilies. I love listening to him preach. His heart is so beautiful, and I'm just so excited that I get to share my best friend with this parish. Our hearts in a heartbroken world. We need to take some intentional time to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit do that good, deep work of digging stuff up in our hearts. So make sure you come to that mission. I want all three of these names packed. Invite friends. It's going to be so, so, so good. All right, finally, finally this. What kind of fruit is your life bearing? That's the question. I want to just shift the, the image. Uh, one of my favorite saints, one of my favorite saints is Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Um, and she has this beautiful prayer, this beautiful reflection about the fragrance of Christ. She prays, Lord, let me spread your fragrance everywhere that I go. I want to spread your fragrance everywhere that I go. So here's the question. Would others say that your life smells like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, tenderness, mercy? Or does it smell like bitterness, cynicism, impatience, harshness, sarcasm, manipulation? What fragrance are you wafting, right? The fruit, of our, the fruit that our lives are supposed to be bearing, the scent our lives are supposed to be giving off, is simply love. Love. Is your life bearing love into the world? Is your life bearing love into your marriage? Is it bearing love into your family, to your friends? Your, you know, that's the fragrance. That's the fragrance. If it is, then you're, then you're grafted onto the right vine, let's just say. All right, so here's the, th here's the four questions again. Who is leading you? Someone who can see. Is it someone who's able to see leading you? At whose feet are you sitting in order to be formed? 
Are you willing to do the hard work of dealing with your own sins, your own failures, your own faults, to do the work of letting the gospel, letting Jesus touch your heart, not just your head? And is your life bearing the kind of fruit that you want it to? These are the four questions. Lent's right around the corner. I just don't want us to walk lackadaisically into another Lent, right? I'll just do chocolate again and just let's get to Easter. Let's be intentional. Let's be intentional. Take some time today, tomorrow, and Tuesday before we have Ash Wednesday to really pray, to let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what the Lord wants for you this Lent. Amen.